You're listening to a Monkey Buns production. Hello, I'm Alfie Evers. You may recognise me as the man that goes around town going ha 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 and sings about Sheba and stuff. Or you may recognise me as the man who brings you the Ultimate Fantasy podcast. Uh, I can no longer bring you that for the time being, of course, but I do bring you Desert Island Goals. Yes, Desert Island Goals. <laughs> Every episode, each guest shortlists their three favourite goals they would like to take with them should they be cast away on a desert island. Uh, sound familiar? No, it doesn't, because it's a complete and utterly unique idea, okay? Good. Anyway, I hope it alleviates some boredom. Uh, I hope you enjoy yourself a little bit more than you are already. Our guest on this episode is Will Robson, a head of development working in television, responsible for hit shows such as Four in a Bed, Plane Crash, Slum Landlords. Uh, Away from television, Will is a published novelist, having last year released Subject 6, which is described as Iron Man meets Serial and looks at how the world would react if a superhero really did come and try and save the day. Uh, Will, how would you react if a superhero did pop out of the woodwork? Um, well, in the novel, I essentially write myself as a journalist who then just follows the superhero around mm-hmm. and records what he gets up to. So, and gets shot during one of the uh, missions. So, I'd probably go and do that. <laughs> okay, go and get shot. That's a good response. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the TV shows you've done. Four in a bed, eh? That's the one that stands out. Yeah, it's been going for like 10 years now, so it's a long time ago. When you say responsible, I was part of the team that came up with it, but I wouldn't, you know, I haven't seen much money from it, so um, <laughs> that's what it comes down to, really. But um, I, I, can I just say, though, that is one of my favourite shows, genuinely, uh, which I think I've told you before, and mm-hmm. uh, myself and a, and a girlfriend of recent years, we would spend <laughs> hours watching that, and... Um, I absolutely loved it. Eight out of ten. That's Thanks, a li- mate. That's a, that's a little four in the bed that joke there, isn't it? Because they always do <laughs> a review. Is, yeah. Can't fault it. It's brilliant. Eight out of ten. <laughs> yeah. Well, basically, the boss at the time, who's like this legend in TV, he came up with things like Wife Swap and mm. shows like that and Secret Millionaire and Undercover Boss and The Circle. He came into the room and said, I went to a and b at the weekend and i think we should do a show about b&b's and then he left and then me and another person who i was working with we came up with the idea uh, originally it was three in a bed which was prime time mm. but it wasn't good enough and then they said oh we can make it a daytime show so we had a meeting and turned it into four in a bed with the fifth episode <laughs> being the results but that uh, is so better really, because you did yeah, it in better. one show before didn't you the, all yeah. the results and all the things yeah that's no good in one, in one hour and then now you could spread it over i mean it is kind of monkey tennis turning three in a bed into four in a bed because there was <laughs> quite a serious meeting with quite a lot of people sat around the table <laughs> should we do five in a bed or should we do four in a bed that type of thing but um no i mean it's a really rich um vein of weird british people running bed and breakfasts so yeah it's, 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 it's a good show well i'm glad that worked out that way to be honest and also um didn't you used to work as a producer for babe station no uh i i, I worked 
I, <laughs> I worked underneath the producers. I was on uh, Psychic TV, so I was the... Um, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, I was a producer on Psychic TV, and then on the floor above were the babes, and on, up on the floor below was uh, the psychics. Amazing. So, yeah, so there was a difference. Right, okay. Now, Will, you, of course, reside in London now, like a lot of people who live in London. Uh, yeah. Being from up north, you are a Newcastle fan. I am. I, I definitely sound like it as well, don't I? Yeah, you've got that new Newcastle fan vibe. Yes, I was um, conceived in Newcastle, but born in Blackpool. My parents moved while they were, my mum was pregnant with me from Newcastle. So I've never lived in Newcastle, but my roots are definitely Newcastle. Although my dad is a Sunderland fan, so it's slightly... Wow. Yeah. There's some dark family secrets going on there, isn't mm-hmm. there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, fine. Okay. Right, should we move on to your first goal then? Yeah. So goal number one it is the 1st of December, 2002. Dirty by Christina Aguilera is playing on the radio. Ooh. It's been number one single in the UK chart for two weeks now. Little does Christina know that Daniel Bedingfield is waiting in the wings with his hit song, If You're Not The One. Hmm. Also <laughs> waiting in the wings at St. James's Park is Newcastle captain Alan Shearer. Rock by Robert, and then Shearer! It was always going to take something extraordinary to be uh, there you go. That was uh, Alan Shearer smashing the ball in uh, against, who was it against? Everton. Everton. Well, I did that on purpose so to let you say stuff. Uh, yeah, what a volley, eh? Talk us through that goal. What happened? Well, I think the thing that, when I was trying to work out my first goal, it was always going to be Shearer because I'm a Newcastle fan. And, well, it wasn't always going to be Shearer, but he was obviously up there. And I think you have to care about goals for them. You know, amazing mm. goals go in all the time. I think you have to really care about them for them to stand out. And I wasn't at that match. And there was another goal that Shearer scored. When he, I was there at Old Trafford when Shearer scored his 100th goal for Newcastle. And that was an absolute beauty. Was that the free um, kick? That was a free kick. Wow, and that yeah. was a stunning goal. But we lost 5-3. So, and I was with a Man U fan at the time. So <laughs> that wasn't that great. Whereas I was watching on TV on Sky Sports, I think Sunday or whatever, with an Everton fan. And Everton had been 1-0 up for quite a lot of the match. And this was late on, like around the 80th minute, I think. And to watch a goal of that quality from like my hero, equalise it. And then also about five minutes later, we went on and scored the winner. So it was a 2-1. I think that's what, what made it stand out was that I was there... It was, I was still at uni, so we, we'd all been drinking. It was, it was that kind of atmosphere, even though we weren't at the match. And there's a little bit of rivalry with the, with the Everton fan. She was giving me quite a lot of jip all the way through the, the match. And then just that technique. And I think every time I see it, I just... And he's talked about it, I think, as probably being his best ever goal. Because he gets I've such pace him. on it. Yeah, I think I've heard him say... So basically, the uh, is it a corner? What happens again? The ball comes out to the edge of the box, doesn't he, Well, he's at home? It's a bit of a hoof up, actually. And I think it's Shola, Amiobi, I think. Um, and it just kind of bobbles up. And then he just kind of... He's slightly to the side of the goal. Outside the box by about a couple of yards but he just absolutely smashes it. And it's so fast and so direct. Yeah, it's probably And the connection is, and there's actually my three goals. I only noticed this after I've done it. All of them are first time hits. Ah. And that's, that's obviously something that I like. I like team goal. Obviously I like every goal, but 
all three of the ones that I've chosen are first time hits and I think that this one is the, is the cleanest is the sweetest Lee Shearer Yeah, there's another goal that he scores made um, against against Villa, which was like a really cushioned volley into the top corner, mm. which again is like incredible technique. But it's the fact he's cushioned it. Whereas this is like Alan Shearer, like good old fashioned centre forward, you know, used to stamp on people a bit, used to elbow people a bit, and this is like you know he was he was pure strength, I thought, and to, and this goal I think encapsulates that. It's kind of got that Roy the Rovers feel about it, hasn't it? Yeah, if you used yeah, to yeah. read that. Not that I did. I did. I did. Um, yeah. But laces. I mean, yeah. if you want to hit a volley, this is how you want to hit a volley, right? Yeah. And then I think as well with Shearer, I think every Newcastle fan knows that he could have gone other places. He could have won way more medals, but he stayed at Newcastle. Well, he went to Newcastle first instead of Man U. And it's proper Roy the Rover stuff that he was scoring, that he scored that amount of goals for Newcastle and he scored goals like that at his home ground where he'd been as a kid. You know, that's why I like his celebration. It's so simple because if you're a kid who sports Newcastle, whacking in goals like that in front of that many Newcastle fans, all you need to do is run around with your hands up because that's all, you know what I mean? You don't need anything fancy because it's just there. Yeah, he went on to score 25 goals uh, that season despite being, I think, what was it? What, what, what year was that? 2002, we said. Mm, yeah. Mm, don't know. Uh, we, did, I, well, no, we did well that season. That was when Bobby Robson was our manager. So we would have been in and around Champions League places, if not like third or fourth. So, um, you know, Newcastle were right back then. Yeah. We were, we were pretty good. You had Andy O'Brien in defence. Yeah. Do you know what? I've been, when I was watching, trying to sort this, I, kept, I looked at a few kind of Newcastle... Um, goals obviously which was fun especially during lockdown and you see like Ginola and Dyer and Gary Speed and Lauren Robert and yeah. Ferdinand and all these amazing attacking players and then you go oh we had Andy Griffin as right back or something or Robbie Elliott like yeah. a right back and you go who were these defenders like how did we I mean fair play for them certainly during Bobby Robson's time we got up to Champions League places again but those defenders were not a-list. No, they it's definitely all about weren't. the attackers. Yeah, yeah. Well, Andy O'Brien came to Pompey at some point. Did he? Oh, he was awful. I mean, he had a, we called him 50p head. Yeah, because he kept breaking his nose, didn't he? Yeah, well, you just every time he went to head the ball, it just used to spin off his head. Oh, right. <laughs> going, that's why he's 50p head. It was crazy. Yeah, it was just he was just a bit useless. He was good in championship manager and the old version of that though. And Andy Griffin came to us after one. He was yeah, quite, he was quite that. useful. He was quite. He was amazing. He, he scored a couple of great goals for us in the Champions League, but you know, still not a not on Shearer's level. The finish with the mark of a master craftsman. Right. Let's leave that goal. Let's move on to goal number two. Uh, for your next goal. There's only one song to represent this era, and I've taken the liberty to translate the lyrics. Okay, are you ready? Here we go. I am ready. No sleep, you too, O oh princess, in your cold room. Look at the trembling stars of love and hope, but my mystery is closed in me. Not one will know my name. No, no, I'll say it on your mouth. <laughs> when the light shines and my kiss will melt, the silence that makes you mine 
no one will know his name. And we should, alas, die, die, vanish. Oh, night, set stars, set stars. I'll win at dawn, <coughs> we'll win. Finchero, Finchero. Any idea? Can you do that again? <laughs> that is, of course, Nessun Dorma, made mm-hmm. famous by Luciano Pavarotti. And Nessun Dorma actually means no sleep. That's something I learned today. Well done. Um, which means, of course, we can only be talking about World Cup Italia 90 and England. Which goal have you bought us? You bought us this goal. It's Gascoigne shaping to take it. And chipped in. And volleyed in. And it's there by David Platt. England have done it in the last minute of extra time. That was, of course, David Platt's winner in the uh, quarterfinals of the 1990 World Cup against Belgium. Last minute, of course. Will, obviously, very... Set the scene. Set the scene for us. we just moved house, right? Picture this. There's a nine-year-old kid. And me and my little brother and my dad were in a house painting it. It was nothing in it. And we were just painting this house um, that summer. And it was about two weeks when we were doing it. And we had one black and white TV. And we watched quite a few of the games that England were in. And I think that was the year, the summer, that really made me love football. Mm. And obviously England doing well. And quite a lot of people talk about England doing well. That was almost like the start of the Premiership um, era, the start of the modern British footballer era, you know, with kind of superstars like Gazzo and Beardsley and all of that. And we had this weird thing where if England scored a goal, my dad allowed us to open a new kind of Fanta. So (laughs) (laughs) I think it was to keep us kind of, um, it might have been sun-kissed actually, tell a lie. Mm. But either way, it was an orangey kind of, you know, and at that time of night, when you're that age, that's quite a big deal. I would, I think I would was, say it's irresponsible, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, so fun. do I. But I think it was to keep us kind of entertained because he was probably not quite sure if we were into the, you know, could watch that much football. Like 90 minutes is quite a long time at that age. But I just remember the stress and the tension all the way through that extra time with me and my brother and my, da- my dad crowded around this black and white small TV. And it's like... Um, Picture one of those scenes like at the end of Deep Impact or Armageddon where, you know, they cut to people around the world really leaning in on ridiculously small TVs. And, um, you know, and I think Gaza went on a run, got fouled, and I think he's Gaza lifted that, really floats the ball in. Um, And, you know, in most cases it would have taken just a big central defender to get up and nod it out. But for some reason they didn't do that or, or it was perfectly weighted either way. We got lucky. But Platt's... And I think he'd come on as a sub because David Platt yeah. was not one of the stars of that team until that moment. He was like a there was Barnes and Waddle and all that, but even Trevor Stephen, I think, yeah, they were that. ahead of him, right? And then he just the technique on that and the oh, it's, and the sweet strike and it goes straight across the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper has no chance, but to do that in the last minute or last couple of minutes of extra time at the World Cup, and I think that just cemented. Um, my love of football because obviously we went on and lost, but in the semi-final, but uh, yeah, I just love that goal and the feeling that it kind of created. I was, uh, you know, I thought about Beckham's free kick uh, against Greece yeah. to get us into 2002. I thought about Gaza's goal in the 96 with the, um, against Scotland taking the mick out of Colin Hendry. Yeah, that was um, brilliant, wasn't it? 
that was amazing. I thought about this, the last World Cup with the, you know, finally Eric Dyer's penalty against um, Colombia, mm. which was, you know, in a pub with loads of mates. That was amazing to watch. But I think my love of England came, comes down to that particular goal and that moment. So I think that's why that, that made it. And since then, I've always quite liked David Platt, even though the last time I heard of him, I think he was in a tr- tracksuit looking a bit weird to a Man City, like as an assistant manager <laughs> yeah. or something. He's really grown into, this is going to sound awful, but he's he's like, I feel, I feel like he's really grown into a sort of stereotypical Northern man. Yes. Yes, you know he is. Mean? It's yeah, like yeah, he's yeah. been working on it. Or something. I don't really quite understand it, to be honest. England are through to the quarterfinals of the World Cup and Bobby Robson... But speaking of David Platt, uh, yeah, that goal did change his career. He'd only turned 24, I think. Really? And he got, yeah, and he got a move to Italy. So he came back there, one more, he had one more season with Villa, then got a move, 91, to Bari in Italy. 11 goals and 29 appearances. That earned him a move to Juventus in 92, where he only made 16 appearances. I thought he went, did he go to Sampdoria as well? Yeah, and then after that, right. Sampdoria, 20, uh, yeah. Yeah, then after that, Sampdoria, say, that couple of seasons before going to Arsenal, playing quite a lot of games at Arsenal, actually. He did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was still playing in, um, when I was looking at the Gaza 96 thing, he was playing in the 96 squad in the Euros for yeah. England, which is quite a long, it's a much longer career than I thought for him for England. Yeah, he um, was, yeah. He was captain, yeah. I believe, as well. Was he? Okay, yeah. Yeah, it might have been, but that that side did change around during throughout the tournament. Yeah, 27 goals in 62 England games. That's amazing, isn't it? That's actually. a great record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the good... Uh, we've had a bad England nightmare together, haven't we? In 2006, do you remember? Yeah. We went out a big... We were in our 20s, all young and full of fun. Golden generation. Golden Rudy. generation of Rooney. Oh, that's us. So we went out. That's when you used to go out in big... Remember, you used to go out in big groups because yeah. you had loads of friends. That was an amazing bar, the Waterstone. Uh, no, not Waterstone. Waterstone. <laughs> Walkabout. <laughs> we, we went and listened to it at Waterstones on our radio. <laughs> <laughs> we went on to Walkabout. Yeah, that was a huge... That was awful, wasn't it? That I mean, was it was amazing, yeah. but it was yeah. it was so awful because it was amazing because we were all there. Remember, we were going to go out afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, obviously, Portugal beat us. Rooney got sent off. And that was the end of Rooney, really. And then, uh, and no one really felt going for a drink, did we? So we decided to I walk we back. For, did we go for a sad Chinese meal? Or we were sat around <laughs> feeling a bit sad? I, I, I think you might have dispersed by then. So basically, right. we went for one solitary drink afterwards and everyone was like, F- this. And then, let's walk, let's walk to the station. And then you decided, to, let's cut down Old Compton Street. Little it did we Pride, know, wasn't it? Yeah, Gay Pride. Pride was on. Gay yeah, Pride. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Couldn't actually get through. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that. That is a memorable day, but yeah. Yeah. Sad Never mind. But David Platt, much better. And yes. I'm going to leave you that happy thought. And we're going to move on to goal number three. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you now to travel forward in time to the future. It is May 2018. Pop music is dead. Politics is dead. And in three months time, Barry Chuckle will be dead. But, but but football is still working and Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool are looking to be the first British team since Chelsea six years previous to lift the Champions League trophy. But one Brit certainly has not read the script. Three in the box waiting for the cross and it was Bale! Madrid 2, 
Liverpool won a classic Champions League final goal from Gareth Bale. That Gareth Bale goal in the Champions League final in 2018. Talk us through that one, Will. Well, I've always been a Real Madrid fan, and I know that's probably not that trendy or like hipster of me because most people prefer Barcelona. But I think from when Steve McManaman went over, I've always yeah. liked Real Madrid. I've also mostly, until about the last season, just because of the quality of football they play, I've never really liked Liverpool. Um, and I've always had a couple of friends who the rivalry is. I just, between me and them, seeing as back in the day, <laughs> Newcastle used to be kind of on a par with Liverpool for a little bit. Mm. Um, I didn't want them to win the Champions League that year. And I did want Real Madrid to win. And uh, when Gareth Bale, who I've always loved as a player... Um, was not on was on the bench couldn't quite believe it and then when he came on I think after at half time I was watching it with my brother-in-law who does quite a lot of betting and I said we should put Gareth Bale's going to win this match we should put some money on it and then Bale scores that goal which is I love overhead kicks always have done like Rivaldo or you know I uh, can't think of anybody else at the moment but you know <laughs> Trevor Sinclair Trevor Sinclair, yes. Well, that was a quality one, wasn't it? Rooney, you know, um, no, against Man City. But the, the that bail, you know, Champions League final, you've come on, you want to prove a point. It's just, we were just, it was just unbelievable. It just absolutely, and I think, was that just after the Liverpool howler? The goalkeeper had already made his howler, yeah? I think, I think, I think so. Yes, because I remember I watched it, I was watching the pub in Soho, um, I turned, it was very busy, obviously. Carriers picked the ball up. Yeah. And I turned just to speak to someone behind me. And in his, he, and his face has changed. I was like, what yeah. happened? That's that goal. So there'd already been, yeah, there'd already been the moment where me and my brother-in-law had looked at each other like, how did that goalkeeper mess up? That was so bad. And then, you know, so that's a, a, a Real Madrid back on level terms through uh, absolute luck. But then to, to go ahead with the piece skill like that first one was calamitous goal that was absolute quality we spoke about well you speak about Zidane in 2002 Ronaldo's overhead kick against Juve we'll have some of this folks Ball! what a hit that is from Gareth Bale oh hats off to him eh yeah I think um, it's a really interesting goal, actually, because it's an overhead kick, but I think it has its own category because it hits, he sort of side foots it. Yeah, it's not a, It's not like a... Um, not laces, Ronaldo, is it? No, it's not. Ronaldo would score, I think, against Juve earlier in the, that campaign for Real Madrid, an overhead kick, which mm. was a more classic overhead kick. Um, this is kind of, whether he meant it or not, I don't know. Um, he probably doesn't know, but again, it's that just the... He's such an athlete, Bale, and he rose so high. And again, for me, when I watch football, like, again, you watch amazing goals all the time. But I think it, as a Newcastle fan, you know, not that I've ever been in any finals where I've actually got that much skin in the game. But I, I like it when players deliver on, you know, at finals where they score yeah. amazing goals in finals, not like a shitty little um, scuffed goal in a final. And that was one of the best goals I've ever seen ever. And it was in a final. I think yeah. that's just, that's what made, made it stand out. And when I was thinking of my third goal for this, I had a few options, but that's the one that really stuck out. What other out. options did you have? Well, two Newcastle ones, naturally. The Cissé uh, goal against Chelsea, which just bends in from oh. about the, the touchline, which is... That's a volley. 
that is a volley. Um, the Dwight York and Andy Cole goal for Man U against Barcelona when they kind of link up with a couple of one twos. Mm. That is amazing. I mean, I love again Andy Cole Newcastle connection, but and I've always quite like Man U as well. And Tiote again the Newcastle goal, but that when we were four was three that down, four, four yeah. four, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the 4-4 Tiote's volley to, to get it back to 4-4 uh, again. That was just a stunning moment for a Newcastle fan. I, th- but, I uh, think had had that been a winner, you would have chosen that one. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it would have been hard pushed for any Newcastle player to beat Shearer. And that's why Cissé and Tiote didn't do it. But um, yeah, but when I came to the, that wild card goal, which is how I saw the third goal, which was not an England goal, not a... Um, Newcastle. Newcastle. Uh, but I, I've always loved Romario for some reason. I love yeah. Romario. And I watched a few of his thinking, what was my best? But then I was like, well, actually, it doesn't mean anything to me, that goal. It's not, I can't think of... I think he's one of the best strikers he's ever been, but I can't think of a goal he scored. And whereas Bale, that one just... Maybe because it's close, maybe because it's recent. The pub Actually, went you know, quiet when, I, when we yeah. all saw that as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The other goal that stood out and almost made it, but then I was just like, well, that's just... was. Essie. Do you remember Michael Essien's goal against Chelsea? Yeah. Against you... Arsenal, the one that bends in? That's an unbelievable goal. Oh, that was... Did you see the thing that's going around uh, social media at the moment? It's the, it's the match of the day, goal of the month, and it's the one that's he's in. Oh, that one, yes. And the goal that. of the month competition goal. is yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. But that goal, Essien goal, it just bends in like a weird computer game goal. Yes. So that was close as well. But then I was like, well, it's not, you know, it was a, Matt, it was a London derby, but there wasn't much riding on as no, much like right. the Champions League final. Um, so that one, so Bale, I Real feel, Madrid. I feel, I feel not sad. It feels a bit dramatic, but I always feel a shame that Gareth Bale left the Premier League and we don't, we haven't really, I haven't seen him play for ages. And I don't know if he's the same player. Because remember when he burst on with Tottenham and he scored those goals against Inter Milan in the Champions League? That was yeah, so yeah. amazing. Was well, so what I don't excited. get is how good he was for Real Madrid for a while, from from a British perspective, as in, I don't know what Spanish fans think of him or Madrid fans. But like all the headlines coming back over here was he was amazing. He was doing really well. Him and Ronaldo obviously scores that goal, but from the bench and now he doesn't play at all I mean it must be the wages but yeah it would be good to get him back it's an absolute beaut oh the height he's got off the floor to hit that ball it's behind him it wasn't a particularly good cross from Marcelo look at that no keeper in the world he's called him out completely okay so that's all your goal nominations now Will unfortunately in this desert island there's only one room Oh, sorry. There's only there's no rooms actually. <laughs> oh, that's I was oh. going to say you're going to get a room. There's there's only room for one of those goals. Which goal is it going to be? Bear in mind it's the only goal you'll be able to see and watch repeatedly all the time. You're on this desert island. So, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, maybe I would have gone for like a longer like team goal with a nice bit of build up, rather than just <laughs> three three very quick hits. If that's the only thing I'm going to watch, I think I'm going to go for David Platt. Then in that case. Okay, very good. David Platt, that's that's in your bag. Yeah. Ready to go. Yeah. Also, uh, for the uh, Desert Island, you, you already get a mitre delta football and the complete works Lovely. of Harry Redknapp's autobiography. <laughs> but you also get to choose one classic football shirt of any era as your luxury item. Which one are you going for? I am going for the 1996 Newcastle home shirt, which oh. is a lovely granddad collar. And Newcastle Brown Ale sponsorship, which is far better than the bet, whatever we've got at the moment. Mm. And yeah, that, that era for me, 
you know, it's the Adidas one, isn't it? Yeah, it's an amazing kit. So you didn't go for the classic, remember the classic away maroon and blue David Ginola one then? Yeah, do you know, I did like that and I did look at it, but I just thought I preferred the, but I need black and white for it. And plus, if you see any other football fans on the deserted island, you want them to know, you know. Yeah, that guy. That guy. <laughs> Should be avoided. Yeah. Or can be mocked easily. Uh, one question I always ask people, um, you're alone there, actually. You are alone there. Uh, would you go for kit uh, With shinies on, yeah. If I can take my shinies, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They're yours. They're yours. Thanks, mate. Will Robson, TV uh, head of development person, producer guy. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Enjoy thanks for having me on. And uh, good luck on the desert island. Thanks so much. Thank you.